Welcome to the Two Degrees Hotter podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And we're two recent college graduates navigating young adult life in Boston, documenting it for you along the way. From college advice to post-grad problems, we're here to open the conversation of what it's like to be a 20-something, just figuring it out. We're excited you're tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you like to listen, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Two Degrees Hotter podcast. Yes, welcome. We are really excited about today's episode, so... Today, we want to talk about our biggest observations when it comes to large schools versus small schools, because I went to a pretty large school, Kylie went to a pretty small school. Yeah. So we know that a lot of college decisions for this upcoming year have already been made, but hopefully this episode can be useful to incoming freshmen who want to best prepare for the school that they chose, current students who might find this relatable, and even high school students who are going to be applying down the line. So if you have one in your life, We would love for you to send this podcast their way and keep on rating us um, and following us on Instagram. And thanks for all the support. Yes. Let's get into it. So this week I had a pretty interesting experience with the CARES Act. So I don't know a lot about this, but it's basically this funding that was passed by Congress, I believe, and allocated to different universities Mm -hmm. to help students affected by coronavirus, Um, not like literally having the disease, but like financially affected. Mm -hmm. So um, there was an option to apply through Northeastern. And I will say it was like a relatively sneaky, like hidden link that I had to kind of look for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But basically, it was just a place to apply through our like student financial services office and you could list the ways that you were financially impacted and the approximate amounts. And I wasn't really expecting to get any money back because I'm like a senior. I no longer go there technically, but um, I actually did. And that was amazing. So if your school, I would like check all the fine print to see if your school has said anything about the CARES Act. Um, I know this will come out a couple weeks from now, so um, not sure if it'll still be relevant, but that was like a really nice highlight for my week because I was able to get some rent money back for my apartment in Boston, which I complained a lot about in the first episode. So (laughs) that was exciting. Um, I was going to say, um, I, I looked into the CARES Act after you told me, um, that you were able to successfully use it. And I know Assumption seems to be allocating their funds towards undergrads to help, um, offset tuition costs for the upcoming school year, which is, I think a really great way to be using the cost. So I'm not complaining at all. It does mean that I'm not eligible, Um, but I also really haven't been that financially impacted. I'm very lucky to be in the position that I'm in, but for someone like you with rent, it's a really nice nest egg fund to kind of help offset those costs. So yeah, but for me, because I wasn't getting money through the CARES Act, I actually, my younger brother, uh, has been completing a associate's degree and he finished. So he is officially graduated. We're both 2020 grads. And I'm really proud of him. He So he went to a local community college these past two years, and he's transferring to a university to finish out a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I'm very excited for him and very proud having yes. a proud older sister moment. Very cute. I know. It was funny because yesterday I 
made I just I make way too many uh like embroidery hoops and whatnot so um every once in a while I'll just like drop one off at Kylie's that I've made and um so I was putting something in her mailbox and I saw the you, your parents put out little signs on your lawn for both of you <laughs> yeah that's cute yeah they actually they just made new ones with like our pictures on it and everything because they thought that the signs that we have right now are not <laughs> nice enough impersonal <laughs> yeah so they got wow. us new they're very supportive so we felt very loved him and I in these past few weeks while finishing up. So yeah, it's been a good time in the Chisholm household. (laughs) Love that for you. A discovery that I made, not necessarily this week, but I've really been ramping up the use of lately is Trello. So it's pretty similar to Asana. And it's basically just an online task management platform that you can use for free. So I suggested to Kylie that we use it for the podcast. And you can essentially just set up, I think they're called boards, right? Yeah. So boards for different purposes. So I have a podcast board, a personal board, and then I'm going to have a work board eventually as well. And you essentially just like make lists with different categories. I feel like that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And then you can set like due dates and it's really easy to like drag all of your items to different lists. So basically the way I've been using it is kind of like a to-do in progress and completed, but it's like totally customizable. So it's been really great to use for the podcast because it's like a collaborative things so we can see like who's done what and then when we get on calls we can like go over what's been done um and I also just like it for like my personal life like it reminds me to you know like pay this bill and I don't know I just think it's really useful and I'm excited to start using it at work because I think um whenever you have like a check-in with a manager it would be a really great tool to pull up and kind of look at all your completed items and you can go through them like line by line and really remember all the things you got done that week which for me, I felt like every time I was checking in with my manager, I would forget something. So um, I think it'll be a really great tool and I would highly recommend. I don't have a lot of experience with Asana, so I don't know like what the main differences are, but I've enjoyed Trello and I think you have too, right? Yeah, no, I really liked using it for the podcast. It's a really nice um, collaborative way to make to-do lists and hold yourself accountable. You can put due dates in and... Um, like organizing it into different tasks I think is really nice and I personally am trying to switch over to more like digital planning platforms so I think it'll be really Mm -hmm. useful especially going into law school to use it in that capacity but so for me I actually have started trying to write a little bit for fun again so for those of you who do know me, you know that I used to have a blog and it was honestly really fun to write for it. I would just write like the most random things. Like I did something about my experience on dating apps and other just little like things that were going on in my life. And I found it really fun. So much so that it inspired me to start a lifestyle magazine at my school. And with that and with my schoolwork and stuff, I would say that writing definitely became a task throughout school. Mm-hmm. Like it was, just, it's kind of like reading. Like once you are doing so much reading for class, you don't want to do it in your free time. Like the same goes with writing. Once you do a lot of writing for class, the last thing you want to do in your free time is like write a blog post. So now that we are out of school, I am trying to get back into it. And just there's a lot of feelings going on these days between graduating <laughs> and quarantine that I'm like I should really write out these feelings so I've been looking into the website medium I saw one of my favorite youtubers did a uh, video on how she started making money off of medium which I don't need, I don't necessarily think I'm gonna make any money off of it but it is a way to kind of write and get 
stuff out there. So I've been looking into that and having a lot of fun. I'm right now working on just like a graduation summation, what it's been like being a member of the class of 2020 and graduating under the circumstances that we are. And it's been very healing. I know that sounds super like therapeutic, but like (laughs) writing is my medicine. Uh, Yeah, no, but I'm really excited just for the sake of continuing to refine those skills because it really is something that if you don't do it for a really long time you lose it and it yeah takes a while to get back to writing that isn't like super cringy um but yeah so hopefully I keep up with that especially over these next few months off before I really start technically writing in law school yeah that will not be fun writing but you'll have to yeah. send me the links yes I will I will hopefully we can make some money on the side, a little side hustle. Money. Some shmoney. We love a side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> we are big side hustle girls. All right, let's get into our favorites. Yes. So this is a pretty random favorite, but I just tried it last night and I've been a but it's been a big LaCroix gal, and I feel like it's not the big seltzer, like, around us. I feel like a lot of people yeah. drink Polar Seltzer, which is, like, a more local-based drink local. seltzer brand. Drink local. Um, but I tried – there was, like, a new summer pack of LaCroix at Sam's Club, and there is a limoncello flavor, which is just divine. Like, I was so shook. I was talking about it for, like, probably a couple hours as I was sipping it. Um, and it really is distinct from the lemon flavor I found. Like, it, there's really a difference between the limoncello and the lemon. So I would highly recommend. It would be a lovely spritzer and a summer beverage. So highly recommend if you have LaCroix around you. I, the watermelon is also really good. I won't sleep on the watermelon. But the limoncello was like an unsung. Like, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. So yeah. give it a try. I know. I love sparkling water. That's like my go-to beverage of choice no matter what so I haven't tried uh the watermelon or the limoncello LaCroix so I'll have to pick those up give them a try so good um so for me I very sadly finished Schitt's Creek I watched that show there was six seasons and I watched it in like a week and a half let's be honest with ourselves (laughs) it is like I said 20 minute episodes so I don't feel as bad because you can really like you can watch three episodes in an hour basically but so I finished, which was really sad, but I got a few recommendations from friends about what to start next. So now I've started Little Fires Everywhere, which is a Hulu original, and it has Reese Witherspoon. And let me tell you something, Reese Witherspoon has really been putting in the work for female <laughs> oriented shows. Like she's really not sleeping on this. She I watched um, Big Little Lies. With her, she also like produced that, and it's a female-led show. So, so good. I highly recommend that. And now this is, honestly, it's a very similar show to Big Little Lies. So if you like Big Little Lies, I think you would really like Little Fires Everywhere. Um, but it's a female-led show, and it's a, basically about a family, their house burns down. And like the show opens with their house burning down, and then it's one of those shows that goes back and like the whole series like leads up to that moment trying to figure out like what happened to like how their house caught on fire. So yeah, Uh, that's all I'm going to say because I think anything else would kind of start to spoil it. And I think it's good to go into it not really knowing anything. 
but I'm a little more than halfway through and it's definitely, if you like drama, if you like suspense, if you like really anything, if you liked Big Little Lies or shows like Big Little Lies, you'll really like it. And yeah, I'm very excited to see how it ends. And Wasn't it based on a book? Yes. Yeah. So it was Big Little Did Lies. Did you read the book? I didn't know. And people are saying that the book is better than the, most people say that the book is better than whatever show or movie adapts it but I am interested to read the book after watching the show because it's a really good storyline for sure so now that we're through with our segments let's get into today's episode yes we are really excited about this one I don't know if you guys can tell (laughs) (laughs) but so as we mentioned um we wanted to talk about the biggest differences between small schools and big schools Mm -hmm. and um I went to Northeastern in Boston, which is about 20,000 undergrads and 17,000 grad students. What about you? So I went to Assumption College in Worcester, and that has 2,000 undergrads and around 400 graduate students. So very different sizes. Yes. So we have, I think we have good perspectives to offer here. Um, Granted, both of our schools were in Massachusetts, so we can't really offer like a regional perspective necessarily, Mm -hmm. and both of them were private. But apart from that, I would say they're pretty much opposite in like every other way. Yeah. So we kind of had three sections that we wanted to organize this um, episode in. So we were thinking we would first start talking about academic differences, then social differences, and then networking and kind of resource differences. Mm -hmm. So Kylie, why don't we get into, I know you have like an anecdote about choosing your school and its size. Yeah. So I originally, I started touring schools, I think my junior year of high school and the very first school that I toured was Penn State and Penn State I'm pretty sure has around like 40,000 undergrads give or take that's at least how much it had when I toured so it's a massive school probably one of the biggest Mm -hmm. in the country I think and it was a beautiful campus it's a great school I know a lot of people who have gone there and enjoyed their time but for me I felt very overwhelmed on campus the campus is so huge and there's just so many people that I couldn't see myself fitting in because it was hard for me to imagine just being one of 40,000 roaming this campus if that makes sense so doesn't it have like a town named at like college park or college uh, station or something college I think but like state college like state college Pennsylvania is a literal town like you get the weather (laughs) for state college (laughs) but all it is is Penn State like that's how but it's Mm -hmm. a it's a town with 40,000 people in it when you really think about it yeah so from there that really narrowed down the schools that I ended up touring and applying to because I realized that a big school just wasn't for me Um, I also realized that I wanted to be in the New England area. At first, I thought I wanted to go really far away from for school and then kind of touring those schools that were far away. I realized how far it was and was like, "Ah, I think I'm good with New England. But yeah, so I didn't only apply to liberal arts schools because Assumption is a liberal arts school for perspective. I didn't only apply there. I applied to two universities I applied to UMass Lowell and UNH which aren't liberal arts schools I'm pretty sure and then Quinnipiac, Roger Williams, and Assumption those were the three schools that I mainly considered and somehow I ended up at Assumption which in hindsight I didn't want to go to that small school I wasn't like I need the smallest school possible but it was just the school that (laughs) 
made me feel the most at home. So Mm -hmm. that's my spiel. Yeah. So I think for me, I basically only knew that I wanted city and I really didn't care much about size and didn't consider it as a huge factor throughout my entire process until the very end when I was choosing between only two schools of which one was really big and one was small. But for me, I feel like I didn't weigh it as much as it should have been weighed in the process. Um, so I basically just applied to like every reasonable school in Boston, <laughs> um, as well as some other schools. I'm not even going to get into the list of my schools that I applied to because I applied to like over 15. But Um, yeah, so I feel like I should have considered size more throughout my process. And that's why I'm kind of excited to talk about it here. Um, and I'm really happy with where I ended up. I think I would have ended up at a big school, even if I had given it some more thought, Mm -hmm. but I just think there are so many differences and it's like worth considering as a pretty large factor, at least like to help you narrow down at least where you're applying, because I honestly wasted so much money on application fees and everything. So yeah. Um, so why don't we start with kind of the academic aspects? Yeah. Um, so for this, we have a few different things that we want to touch on. So as far as classrooms go with assumption, how your classes will go, I found that no matter what, there was no hiding. <laughs> your professor mm-hmm. knew who you were by the third week, fourth week, maybe if they had a bad memory, they knew your face, knew your name could find you on campus if you were just walking between classes and say hi to you. So that meant that there was a lot of accountability. You couldn't really just hide in the back of a giant lecture hall and online shop for your 45 Mm -hmm. minute lecture or whatever it is. (laughs) You had to, and I know I personally had a lot of professors that actually had like no laptop, no tablet policies in class. So we weren't even, we had to show up with a notebook our reading and a pen and take notes that way. And when you only have 30 or less people in a class, you can't sneak your tablet or your laptop like they just know. Um, so obviously that's good in the sense of accountability and really forcing you to pay attention in class and uh, make the most of it. But it also can be bad because any college student, some days you're just like, I really can't do this right now. Yeah. I'm here for the attendance and the attendance only. So it definitely forced you to work even in those moments that you did not want to do the work at all. Yeah. And then I think as far as classroom culture goes at large schools like Northeastern, um, you just have to be really okay with the fact that you're not going to know people. Like mm-hmm. genuinely, you're going to walk into a room of like 50 plus strangers even throughout your college experience. I mean, yeah. depending on the major that you're in, if you're in like a smaller major, you might end up knowing more and more people in your classes as time goes on. But for me, like throughout my college experience, I would there would be more strangers in my classes than people that I knew. Um, so you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with studying on your own if you don't know anyone in a class, being in group projects with complete strangers. Um, but that didn't really bother me. So I never really had an issue with not knowing everyone in my class and yeah um I would say I still had some professors that were pretty like anti-laptop and stuff like that I don't know if that's like entirely a small school thing I think it's more of like I think it depends more on the topic of the class I feel like if it's like more of a Socratic like philosophy type class they want you to be there for the convo um but yeah so I guess that's a good segue into like class sizes so I know for me I could be I think there's like a big stereotype of like, you're going to be in a lecture hall with 400 plus people. (laughs) 
And that was not my experience. I was in like maybe two or three classes throughout my college experience that were upwards of 100. Um, But I think for the most part, I would say like a pretty average number of people in a class for me is like 50. And then obviously, the more and more I continued in my major, it would end up being like 20 or less. Um, So I wouldn't say like classes are always going to be huge at a huge school, but they definitely will be in the beginning and especially for like those more general elective type courses. Um, which does make it really easy to be invisible and online shop and do whatever you want. So I think it's just kind of a matter of like having a lot of self-discipline and holding yourself accountable and really learning to like advocate for yourself. Um, Like I know for me, I was pretty afraid to raise my hand when I first came to college just because like the classes were so huge that I felt like if I messed up or didn't have a great response, like it was literally in front of so many people. But just knowing yourself and like knowing if that's something you'd be comfortable with or could get used to is important. Yeah. So at Assumption, we, I'm pretty sure it was a rule, like a college rule that classes capped around 30 people. I think 30 people was the limit, but no one was allowed to get into a class if it had 30 to 35 people in it. And a lot of classes, especially a lot of classes that I took in my major capped with a lot less. So I had a few that were 22 students, 15 students. I took one class that only had five kids in the class. So it was definitely, you never, I never once took a class with more than 30 people probably, which again, it's, you can't hide when there's that few people, especially that class with only five of us. I was like, I'm literally always in the spotlight right now. Like I can't get away with anything, but it, it was really nice in the sense of, like I said, that accountability. And I would say, honestly, I also, what you were saying, I had some experiences where I was afraid to raise my hand. And I think, honestly, it might be for like the opposite in the sense of there's so few people that everyone knows exactly who you are. So if you raise your hand and say something stupid, it's like, oh, they're going to remember, like, remember when Kylie said that dumb thing. Whereas I think there is that bit of like, okay, it's really embarrassing to like say a wrong answer in front of a lot of people, but 20 minutes later, like it's forgotten because there's just so much, you're so overstimulated in the classroom. But it's definitely, I never had the, you know, 100 plus lecture hall experience, which I think in the end was good, at least for me, because it forced that self-discipline. I never really had to learn it on my own. Like I just learned by habit of my classroom environment. Yeah. I will say when you mentioned like tiny classes, I will say anecdotally at Northeastern, I did have one class that was only six people, but that's because it was like a relatively high level Russian class. And that's just like a super random class to take. But yeah, um, yeah, I feel like it's not that like there's a definitive, like if you go to a big school, you're always going to have huge classes. If you go to a small school, you're always going to have tiny classes. I feel like there's a range wherever you go, but it's Mm -hmm. just like being willing to deal with a much greater range at a larger school. Yeah, exactly. As far as relationships with professors go again being in such a small classroom nine out of ten times I would say most of your professors ended up knowing you by name at least by the end of the semester but normally way before that and I've personally found that having a professor that knew me by name I'd you know participated in class a few times and had them call me by my name instead of just, you know, pointing at you. <laughs> Made things like office hours a lot more approachable, in my opinion, because I feel like I was able to show up to their office and have them say, oh, Kylie, like, how are you? And I felt a lot more comfortable. Like, there was already a rapport established between mm-hmm. us that I could go and ask questions 
And it was honestly through office hours that I developed most of my relationships with professors. I very much advocate for office hours. I think they're so important. If you are interested in creating a closer relationship with a certain professor, and I know personally for me, going through these four years, professors were kind of my main mentors. Um, And I had a lot of professors that I would turn to for advice, recommendations, classes, anything of the sort. And it was really nice, especially as a first-generation college student. I found it really helpful to have those resources kind of right in the classroom from the start. And it was a great jumping off point for me to learn how to network and establish myself in the college community and also in other places that I wanted to, whether it be internships or anything like that. But I don't know what your opinion with relationships with professors were. So I think in my experience, I kind of came out with very few relationships, direct relationships with professors. But I think that could also just be me because I didn't seek help in office hours all that often, to be honest. Um, And I think it's easier to develop a relationship with the professors that you have later on in college. Like I definitely have a relationship with my capstone advisor um, and people like that. But I just think in general, your professors do feel a little more distant at a large school Um, just because, you know, they have so many students. They're not always going to know your name if you're not participating all the time. Um, So but for me, I think instead of focusing on my like professor network, I focus a lot more on my career network because that's a much bigger thing at Northeastern. And I knew that I didn't want to ever be in academia. So I almost, this sounds bad, but I feel like I almost discounted a lot of professor relationships because I felt like career related relationships would be more valuable to me. Mm-hmm. So kind of developing those relationships with like my co-op advisor. So Tangent Northeastern has a program called the co-op program where you do six month internships during school. So um, Northeastern's definitely a really career-oriented school compared to most. So I think this response could be pretty specific to me. Um, but yeah, in general, I feel like if you are really invested in having relationships with your professors and having them all know you by name, you would probably have to do a little more work at Northeastern to make that work for you. You'd probably have to go to office hours like pretty frequently just to make sure they're like remembering you and things like that. But it wasn't really an issue in my experience. But yeah, I think that's like whenever we talk about our college experience, I feel like that's one of the biggest differences is that you always say like, oh, well, I went to my professor about this XYZ. And I really did not ever do that. Like I didn't have many personal relationships like that. But again, that could just be a me thing. Yeah, I think no matter what school you're at, it's definitely if you want to have a mentor relationship, whatever relationship you want with your professor, if you seek it out, you can get it. It's not necessarily um, something exclusive to small schools but I think Mm -hmm. you're right to say that it might be a bit more work to make that connection with a professor at a larger school than necessarily a smaller school especially when I think smaller schools naturally have less faculty so you're more likely to see the same professor in multiple classes like I had plenty of experiences where I had a professor for multiple classes some two or three classes throughout my college experience and that's pretty significant you're looking at a year to two years of time that you spend with a professor. And at that point, you you should have some sort of connection and rapport built between mm-hmm. one another, I would hope. Yeah, I've only had the same professor once, like for two classes. Um, mm-hmm. And it was because I like purposely seeked that professor out. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's 
but yeah, that's a good point. Like it's much rarer that you'll spend any like significant amount of time with a professor at a small school just because there are so many more faculty. You mean but a big I know school. some of my Oh yeah, sorry, a big school. <laughs> um but I know some of my friends in other majors would have the same professors. Like if they were in a smaller major, they would have the same professors more frequently. But yeah, that's a good point. That is like a probably a reason why the relationships are a little harder to form just because there's a yeah. lot more like turnover in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I will say professors were always talking about research opportunities at Northeastern, mm-hmm. like to the point where you were always trying to get coaxed into joining a professor for their research. And that would have been a really good way to develop some relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so Northeastern is a research university and you mentioned Assumption is a liberal arts school. So yes. that could be kind of the main difference there as well, which, you know, we could do a whole other podcast on like a research versus a liberal arts college. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I never really participated in any research projects just because I always felt as a reminder, my major was environmental studies and political science. And I always felt kind of more on like the policy, social aspect side of my major. So I was a little less interested in pursuing like field research with like algae and whatnot that my professors were working on. Um, but if you are interested in that, that would be a really good way to develop relationships at a larger school. So I don't know if you had any experience with research at Assumption. So I personally didn't because I'm an English major. So there isn't a lot of research happening on that side of campus. But I do know some of my friends were psych or various STEM majors. And I had one friend in particular who her kind of main con looking back at her time at Assumption was that she kind of felt like she capped out on research opportunities. She basically did everything that she possibly could have done as far as research went at Assumption. And it just wasn't enough for what she personally wanted to do. So that's, I think, something really important to consider because obviously a bigger school will just have more funding basically for research and especially Mm -hmm. bigger research institutions will have more funding for research opportunities so if you are interested in you know psych stem any major that really relies heavily on research I think that's something to consider I don't think it's impossible to get great research opportunities at smaller schools because assumption is only one small school that we're looking at so it's I but I think it's something to do your research on and see if you do prefer a smaller school kind of doing your homework and checking and seeing how research opportunities can fit in for you it might be worth looking at a smaller research institution rather Mm -hmm. than uh, a small liberal arts school but yeah Mm -hmm. so I think the last category that we wanted to discuss in the academic section is kind of an overlapping category between academic and social, in my opinion, but it's kind of study abroad opportunities and um, just how many of them exist, the extent, the like variety of options as far as timing and things like that. So anecdotally, I did two study abroads at Northeastern, one of which was a pretty unique program called NUN, which was like a first semester freshman study abroad program. Um, And then I also did what's called a dialogue, which is basically like a summer session in Russia. So um, I think larger schools have a lot of options about like going global and like Northeastern is really focused on that. I don't want to come across like a Northeastern ad. I'm not like trying to only talk about Northeastern. It's just my experience. Um, But they're like a super global institution. So I think that was a really great aspect of like having so many options. And I feel like 
even though I did two study abroads, I feel like I was in the minority compared to all of my friends and a lot of people that I knew they would do like three, three, four plus like every summer go somewhere. So I think that was really great and a really great way to meet people. And that's a good way to get closer with professors as well if you go abroad with them. Um, so yeah, but I know you also did an abroad program at Assumption too. Yeah. So Assumption actually has its own campus in Rome, in Rome, Italy. And so that's like kind of their main selling point when it comes to study abroad. Most people, I would say, choose to either do a semester, a summer, or I did a 10-day trip with a program called the Sophia program to our Rome campus. And it's really beautiful. And I, you know, wouldn't trade that experience for the world. But I will say, so because the Rome campus is an assumption campus, it, like I said, is very heavily advertised, almost so much so that it seems like there is no other study abroad opportunity or that they'd be very few and far between. But being at Assumption, I found that really wasn't the case at all. I had a friend who studied abroad in Australia. I had friends who studied abroad in Ireland, in Spain, really like anywhere you could think of. But I would say you kind of have to more actively seek those out and take the time to meet with um, an advisor or a counselor about how to go about that and transfer credits and all of that, which I think is a pretty standard thing with any school when it comes yeah. to study abroad. But like I said, just with us, everyone's kind of like Rome, 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 because it so easily mm-hmm. transfers everything. Your tuition carries over, your credits carry over. So they kind of really drive that home and it can borderline discourage you from studying abroad anywhere else because if it's going to be that easy, why would you? But if you are, like for my friend that wanted to go to Australia, obviously you can't just visit Australia when you're studying abroad at Rome. Like you could visit Ireland or England or anywhere else you wanted to see. So she really had to put in the work and apply to universities and get her credits to align with assumption so that she could study abroad in Australia. But it's definitely, I don't think study abroad is something super reliant on the size of your school I Mm -hmm. think most schools are going to have some sort of study abroad but again with assumption the Rome campus kind of made it a unique experience yeah I feel like it's worth mentioning that um, at my school we had what was called a global experience office and they were just really always trying to sell people on abroad in general so like how you mentioned you might need to do some of like more individual research at a smaller school I think those resources were more set up at Northeastern and they like really, really, really pushed people to just like get out of Boston. And that was like Mm -hmm. always a huge priority and something that a lot of people took advantage of. So yeah, but I think the opportunities are available regardless of the size of your school. It just might be like the level of work that you individually need to put in versus um, kind of the relationships that the university will already have established that you can take advantage of. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, I guess that's kind of all we had as far as academic differences. Yeah. So now let's have some fun. Let's get into the more social differences that we've observed. So let's start with just simply like meeting people, meeting friends and um, how that goes. So I can start out by saying there are so many people. So like so many options, so many different types of people to become friends with. But like also there's so many people. Um, so I feel like that's just like a kind of funny way of saying you have 
so many people that you can get to know, but at the same time, it can be intimidating because, you know, everyone is so diverse. Everyone's from different places. So um, I just think you might have to be a little brave um, in your first couple weeks at school and just like be really willing to approach people because nobody's going to like throw you into social situations. Um, It's really all up to you to kind of take that initiative. But I will say like, it's been super cool to have friends from literally everywhere. Um, My little in my sorority is from England and I don't know, it's just really fun. I feel like we have so many international students. We have like almost 30% international. So just like having a pool of 20,000 people to get to know um, is intimidating. And if you know that would be something that wouldn't work for you, definitely worth considering because the the social aspect of college is such a big part. But um, I personally thought it was cool. So yeah, what about you? So for us, I would say it definitely felt like high school when it came to meeting people. So I know personally, my college graduating class size was comparable to my high school graduating class size, which I feel like not a lot of people can say. Um, So you end up crossing paths with like 90% of the student body at the end of the day, whether you have class with them, you run into them at the gym or our single dining hall on campus, uh, or even just like in like the social scene, party scene, whatever it is, you end up seeing a great deal of the student body, which in when you can make friends and you have really good friends on campus, that's nice because you're almost always surrounded by them. But at times it kind of felt like everyone knew your business and you knew everyone else's business. And that can be a bit tough to navigate, especially if you are interested in meeting more people or new people, you kind of have to branch outside of school. And Assumption is in a college town. Worcester is very much a college city and we have a lot of different campuses or schools sorry in Worcester so there are a lot of college aged people that you could meet in various circumstances but within the campus itself I there were times where I felt like I had met everyone that I could have met if that makes sense yeah it's a it's smart that you bring up like the city itself also um because I feel like a lot of people have this interpretation of like Boston, such a college town. Like you're going to meet people from different schools. You're going to go to parties with people from different schools. And I will say for me, that was like basically not my experience at all. Um, I think we went to like a couple Harvard and like MIT frat parties just for fun. But like Mm -hmm. in general, maybe because Northeastern is one of the larger Boston schools, I feel like you kind of really stick to your own university crowd. Um, So I feel like I can kind of, at least from my experience, dispel that, that assumption that um you would integrate a lot with like Berkeley and like BC and like BU like that just doesn't happen at least for me that just didn't happen at all like you really just do stick with your college in my experience especially because a lot of them are kind of separated by like neighborhoods and whatnot so it just doesn't really make sense and I feel like if that's the reason that you're like interested in going to school in Boston I would maybe like rethink it just because it's like I didn't have that experience at all I never like hung out with kids from Berkeley or anything like that um but yeah, so that's worth noting also. Um, I feel like we can talk about maybe like relationships and friend groups and whatnot. Um, yeah. So for me, I think it was interesting because I made several different friend groups that basically never commingled. And I feel like that's a lot of people's experience at larger schools. So like I had my roommate um, friend group that was kind of like my core friend group that I lived with all through college. 
And then I also had like my dance friend group and then my sorority friend group. And like, for the most part, they all did not know each other. Like they would know, they would recognize each other's names when I would mention them. But um, it wasn't like I had this super large friend group that all kind of was like integrated. It was like I had kind of different friend groups from different experiences at college and Mm -hmm. they wouldn't necessarily know each other. Um, And I think because of that, it would be pretty easy to date around and kind of like ghost the people that you needed to ghost if that was something that you were doing um yeah and like it would be pretty easy to like never have to see a given person again if that's what you wanted to do at a large school um in greek life it feels a little smaller and i think we'll get into that a little later but Mm -hmm. in general i feel like you're kind of in a sea of what's that phrase like you're a small fish in a big small fish (laughs) in a big pond (laughs) Yes, so, in a big city. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's pretty easy to kind of like move around to different friend groups and keep them separate or integrate them if you want to. But I just found that like in my experience, they none of them knew each other and that was fine. Um, so yeah, what about you? I feel like you have some funny like dating perspective at small schools. Yeah, well, I would say as far as like the friend groups go, it is a lot harder to keep them separate because I would say I did have separate friend groups where I had, you know, my dance friends and my roommates and my class friends or my major friends. But at the end of the day, if they didn't meet one another because of having you as a mutual friend, they probably already knew one another, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So they're really, I mean, I could hang out with different friend groups at different times. It wasn't like I always felt the need to include every single one of my friends in every single one of my social events. But nine out of 10 times, everyone was friends with one another, which is nice because you end up having this really nice big friend group where you get that experience of your dance friends being friends with your class friends, being friends with your work friends. Yeah. But it also isn't super nice, especially if you know, we're human beings, you might have a falling out with someone and then you're forced to see them around campus because you run in the same circle and it's like Mm -hmm. you can't avoid them. And especially when it comes to breakups, hookups, whatever it may be, like there's no, ghosting is not a thing. You can stop texting them all you want. You're going to run into them at the dining hall and it's going to be awkward. And I know for our school specifically, there was a lot of instances where friend groups were kind of, you know, fraternizing within friend groups and it's just like it's hard because if things don't work out now it's like not only have you lost your significant other your hookup whatever it may be but you almost have to like learn how to navigate around the friendships that are also tied in to all of that and I don't think I mean I say it's hard I think it also forces you to be an adult in some situations like you can't just run away from a situation you almost are forced to sit down and like have hard conversations with people and I think at the end of the day that kind of helps either strengthen relationships or like helps you learn how to like healthfully end or recognize when like a relationship isn't the best for you and handle it accordingly but when you're 18 years old like you don't want to be doing that you just want to ghost and move on and so it's it's hard in that perspective and then you have four years where you're seeing whoever it may be that you don't want to see almost every day so yeah something to consider for sure yeah and there's definitely pros and cons to having like more integrated friend groups versus Mm non-integrated friend groups like I think for me sometimes 
I wished that my friends from my sorority knew my friends from dance just because I knew they would get along so well, but it's just not as easy to like get people in the same room and get people talking because there are like so many places to be and so many options and they already have their own friend group. And um, it's just, there's so much going on. So I think it's not that like one of these is better than the other. It's just thinking about like what you've had so far, what you would prefer. Um, and like recognizing that like you might not always get such a close knit community at a larger school. You might just yeah. need to like be bouncing around and like be okay with that, which I was, but like maybe not everyone would be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but I mentioned that in Greek life, it would feel smaller. And I think if you're going to a large school and it has Greek life, it's a really great way to make it feel smaller for you. Um, because I think maybe like 15% of Northeastern participated in Greek life. So it definitely like narrows the pool quite a bit. Um, and I feel like a lot of my friends that I knew from other circumstances, like a lot of my dance friends, some of my roommates were also in sororities. So, um, I plan on doing like a whole solo episode about Greek life at some point. So we can really get into the tea about everything there. But um, I will say like Greek life is usually a thing at larger schools. So if that's something that you really know that you want to do, which for me, I, I did not consider Greek life at all when I was using a school. I like, I never thought I would be in a sorority. Um, but that could be just because I kind of looked at the stereotypical like SEC experience and kind of like what we see in movies and everything. Um, and I will say it was like a really enriching thing in the end for me um but if you know that you want to have like a girl squad and you know that like your if your mom was in a sorority and your grandma and you know that's something you want I feel like it kind of narrows your pool of schools just because large like national panhellenic conference sororities are mostly available at bigger schools yeah I so I agree I also didn't consider Greek life at all when looking at my schools and because of that assumption ended up not having Greek life and obviously wasn't a deal breaker for me But I definitely, to this day, I'm not at all, you know, I don't have any regrets of the fact that I went to a school that didn't have Greek life and I couldn't participate in Greek life. I do think that if I went to a school that had the option to rush, I would have in the end. But with that being said, when a school, at least in my experience, when a school doesn't have Greek life, it almost creates it in another way, like creates that same community bond experience for us it was a lot of the times through sports teams or through the clubs that you participated in kind of like high school again you were known for being in whatever club you were known for being in so we had what we called the big six clubs on campus and you know if you were in one of those like our campus activities board was one of them for example and you kind of became known as oh yeah like Kylie and campus activities board I wasn't in that but you know what I mean um so yeah so that's kind of like how we ended up getting organized and I will say that Assumption had a lot of clubs both those big six clubs but also a lot of really small clubs and I personally ended up taking part in only small clubs I wasn't in any of the big six uh throughout my college experience and I really liked it because they're so, they become so niche that you really get to meet people with similar interests and passions and even like morals. Like I was in a club, I think it's actually a national club, Active Minds. Like they have different Mm -hmm. chapters on different campuses, but we had a chapter on our campus and obviously being a smaller school, it was a smaller chapter, but being able to meet people who really advocated for uh, mental health awareness and 
you know, eradicating mental health stigmas was a really enriching experience for me. And I could say that about every single club that I was a part of. So I won't bore you. I'll just use that as the example. Um, But yeah, so I think no matter what size school you go to, there's always a place where you can fit in. It just, it looks different. Yeah. If you want the sorority experience, like Anya said, if it's a generational thing in your family, then, you know, I'm not saying no small schools have Greek life. I'm sure plenty of small schools do, but I think it is more likely to assume that a bigger school has it. So if you're looking at smaller schools, definitely looking into if they have Greek life and what their Greek life looks like is key because they might not have it. Yeah. And there are definitely like so many, I mean, like I mentioned, the vast majority, 85% of Northeastern was not in Greek life and had a great time. And yeah, there are so, so, so many clubs. Like it was almost like a running joke yeah. of like how specific the clubs got into. Like one of my friends was like president <laughs> of like the cheese club and they would just like meet on Thursdays and like sample oh cheeses. Like there's so many things to get involved in. But um, mm-hmm. in my experience, I was most involved in Greek life and in dance. Um, but I've always thought it was funny, like when Kylie talked about the big six and like, it just seemed so like exclusive (laughs) and like elusive. Like, I don't know. I just don't have any comparable experience like that. Um, and I will say like in general at big schools, like people just don't really care about other people's business. Like they don't really care what other people are doing with their life at all. Like, so I don't know. It's just funny that like people would even care to like consider what clubs you were in because I feel like just nobody would care at Northeastern. They'd be like, Oh, cool. Like (laughs) same, you know? Um, but that's just that's just another aspect um so I guess now we can move on to parties and kind of how that looks at different size schools um as a result of being in Greek life I feel like for me and I feel like for a lot of people that even aren't in Greek life um fraternities kind of end up being the move for people when they're underage Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and in Boston Greek housing is um illegal so it's not like you would have these like big kind of southern like fraternity mansions or anything like that it was mostly just like apartments where guys who were in the fraternity happened to live um and they were just Mm -hmm. like kind of basement parties um kylie came to a couple (laughs) with me oh it was a fun time i did um (laughs) so yeah i feel like the the frat scene is kind of where people go when they're underage and then when people turn 21 most people um end up transitioning and going out to bars because being in boston there's just like so many fun bars to go to um there were like a couple that kind of ended up being like the Northeastern token bars that were just like close to campus and like staples. And I feel like every school kind of has that, but the benefit of being um, in a city school is that you could like take an Uber downtown and go out like in different areas. If that was something that you wanted to do, of course, always staying very safe and very mindful. But um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of like our social scene in a nutshell. I can't really speak for people that didn't go to frat parties. I assume they were just kind of like house parties and whatnot if you weren't into like going to Greek life parties, but I never really did that, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so for us, because we didn't have Greek life, I know a few of the other colleges in Worcester had fraternities, and I know of people that went to parties at different frats, but I personally never did. So for us on campus, we had a section of campus called the Valley, and that's where most seniors live. So I lived in the Valley this past year, and it's just three different apartment buildings, essentially, and that's where all the parties were held. Most of them held in this building called the Sixes. And so obviously with senior year, all of my friends were living in the Valley area, so we would just kind of bounce around 
different rooms with different friends and it was really fun but <laughs> it was definitely a lot different when I was a freshman and I didn't know anyone on campus let alone seniors on campus so I just remember me and my freshman year roommate Lily just being so reckless we would just show up to a random room and knock on the door and hope that they would just let us in <laughs> to the room and we would just sneak in literally know no one and obviously that was like more so the very first weeks of freshman year because as time goes on you meet more people and you learn um who's throwing parties and get you know you make those connections and uh are able to party with actual friends of yours but those first few weeks it's kind of like okay let's just head on mosey on down and for the best. yeah hope that, hope that we meet someone um but and honestly her and I were reflecting on how that was like low-key the some of like the best memories that we have because it's just the audacity that we had <laughs> to really just roll into a random person's room it really was so like fun and a, like, such a general adrenaline rush of like are we gonna get in anywhere? <laughs> like let's see but and then as far as bars go we had uh leetrums or leets as we affectionately call it and again once you are of age that's kind of where a lot of um partying kind of transfers over as well and it becomes so fun I miss it yeah I miss it too um something else I feel like that reminds me that I feel like the biggest distinction whenever we would discuss like our school's partying cultures was just the fact that Kylie's school it was like all on campus which was like so interesting Mm -hmm. to me because I could not imagine that at all at Northeastern like I just like our campus police would like shut that down so quick um Mm -hmm. and also I guess like our buildings are bigger and like the apartments are just smaller I don't know I just feel like that seems so foreign to me so it's worth noting that like pretty much all the parties at my school were pretty far off campus in like a neighborhood where a lot of the college students lived and where I live now um called Mission Hill so you kind of have to like make the trek whether it be in an uber or like walking a lot there's so many like classic freshman girls walking without jackets to frat parties in the winter and it's like really tragic but it's just everyone's experience um and I highly doubt we have any guys listening to this but if we do um a lot of guys have trouble getting into frat parties (laughs) um which is like (laughs) no that was the same with us yeah it's just like so stupid and like exclusive I'm like come on like you really think you're better than you know Steve over here but um yeah, so I will say, like, if you're a guy, you might have a little more difficulty finding places to go. And that's why a lot of guys join frats in Northeastern, to be honest, I feel like, because it just kind of gives them an automatic entry to the parties that they want to go to. And then, um, of course, I'm sure they get a lot of enrichment out of it and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I highly doubt we have any men listening, though. Yeah, no, but we had the same thing. I think the only reason, you know, my freshman your friends and I were ever successful was because we were mostly girls so it was easier to be let in yeah um but with that being said we only had like a 50% success rate for being completely honest <laughs> it really didn't start working out well for us until we did make upperclassmen friends so I think that that's the key here you just need that one upperclassman friend that's gonna invite you invite you to the function and then the you're, function you're golden I love that tiktok <laughs> or is it like yeah I guess it's a tiktok thing where it's like I'll see you after the function exactly so I think as like a final note for the social 
section, it we want to talk about sports culture. And I know for Kylie, you mentioned that like sports culture almost replaces Greek life at your school and like the games like yeah. matter and a lot of people go and everything. Yeah. So for us, I would say our main sport is football. With that being said, people were involved in all of our sports. We always had a pretty good uh, fan turnout when it came to sports, but football season is my favorite season. It is so, so fun. We would have so many people come and I personally, so I was on dance team throughout my four years. So I performed at football games, uh, all of the home football games in season. So I spent my four years standing on the football field, cheering on our hounds. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's really fun because it just, again, it's another activity for you to do with your friends, especially on like a really nice fall day going down to the football field and, you know, winning that game is, there's no better feeling than that. <laughs> but we were definitely very sports oriented and, you know, it was a big deal to be playing a sport on campus. I, like I said, did not play a sport. I was what they call a NARP, a non-athletic regular person, but <laughs> That's still, it wasn't like um, if you don't play a sport, like there's some like elitism. It's more so you have the people who are playing the sports and that's really fun. And if you're not playing sports, you're very, like you're a fan and you're very involved in just rooting for your hounds. I will say that's like so opposite of my experience, Um, (laughs) which I think this is pretty rare. I feel like most of the time um, big schools have a large sports scene and there's like tailgates and like people are really into it. But I don't know, Northeastern just has like a weird culture. It could be because we're a city school, but like in my experience, like very few people ever cared about sports <laughs> except for Beanpot, which is a hockey tournament between four Boston schools. So people cared about that. And in general, I think people cared about hockey the most. But um, and I think we like made March Madness a couple of times and everything. So like we had pretty good teams, but like, I don't know, maybe it was just my friend group, but like people don't really tend to care unless you're like in club sports like two of my roommates were in club sports and obviously it was like a big deal to them and we would go to their games and cheer them on and things like that but I feel like as far as like Northeastern I don't know it was like varsity a thing in school like D1 (laughs) sports um I just feel like it really wasn't a thing like people it wasn't like the thing to do on the weekend or anything um they would actually like give out a lot of free merch to people who did go to the games I think as like an incentive to try to get more people to go which is so funny it's just like I don't know. I just think people's priorities are different at city schools and like people are really, like I mentioned, like career oriented and it's just like not the scene. Um, But I think that's pretty unique. I think in general, if you go to a big school, I would expect there to be a larger sports culture. Um, But maybe if you're going to school in the city, just like do your research because it's not really a thing at Northeastern in my experience. Yeah. I feel like the difference for us in this isn't even related to the size of our schools but it is the location Mm -hmm. because Worcester is obviously it it is a city but it's not a city like Boston is a city so I feel like sports are just more accessible like how do you just put a football field in the middle of a city right yeah Northeastern doesn't have football so that's a good point like football is like the main sport that a lot of colleges I feel like are involved in and without a football team yeah like there's just less to cheer on in general and um I feel like since we're in Boston people just tend to cheer for like the Boston teams yeah. Like the Patriots parade and yeah. the Bruins and the Red Sox. Like we go to lots of Red Sox games and stuff, but have we ever been to a Northeastern baseball game? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So just some funny observations. If you're really into sports, I would consider it. Neither of us really were, I feel like, before going to school. So yeah, like I I enjoyed 
that we were a sports oriented school like like I said I really enjoyed football season especially but I don't think I would if I were at Northeastern I don't think I'd be like I really wish that I had Mm -hmm. a sports oriented school yeah I think it's fun to see the pictures of people at like state schools tailgating and stuff like I think that's just Mm -hmm. a cool experience that like we didn't get to have but again less related to size I feel like more related to location yeah I agree so for the final category we wanted to talk about um during this podcast is just kind of like networking and resources available um, at different size schools. So um, kind of like internships and networks and campus amenities and things like that. So um, I mentioned earlier that Northeastern has a co-op program and you actually need to complete um, one of the pillars of experiential learning, we call it, which most people fulfill through doing a co-op. So basically Northeastern has like a really, um, established network of relationships with employers across Boston and across the country and you can apply through like Northeastern's database so um, I feel like as far as like career services go at Northeastern it's really like unparalleled in my opinion Um, and I did two co-ops so um, kind of going through that experience twice and like learning how to interview and you have a class that prepares you for it and you have a co-op advisor and you everyone has a resume and a LinkedIn like by freshman year so um but again, I don't know if that's super related to the size of the school. I just feel like that's just doing your research and figuring out like how career oriented your school is. Um, and I think some people would look at that in a negative light. Like I know, for example, when I chose Northeastern, my aunt, my aunt's an academic, she's a professor. And she was like, why do you want to rush it? Like, why do you want to think about your career the second you enter college? Like college is about exploration. College is about like academia and like figuring out thought and like what you're into. So I just think like it depends on your perspective. But I found that like having the concrete um, experience in the workforce really helped me solidify what I wanted to do. So that's just my two cents. But um, I know, did you guys have required internships at Assumption? Depending on your major. So for example, my major, I did have a required internship. I had to complete a, it was only 120 hours, I think, but I had to complete a 120 hour internship as part of my major requirements. I know a few of my friends were human services and rehabilitation majors, and they had to complete a 400-hour internship during one of their semesters. Um, A few of my friends who are psych majors had to take an internship class, obviously education majors, student taught, so that, you know, is an internship more or less. So there were a lot of programs that required it, but I also know a lot of people who didn't require internships. And so in that case, you really kind of are on your own. We had a um, like a career office on campus that obviously gave you resources, but I would say it was very oriented towards the Worcester area. So that's great if you're looking for a part-time internship while in school at Assumption, but if you're not necessarily from the Worcester area and you're looking for a summer internship or even a job not in the Worcester area, it becomes a bit more tricky. So I personally had my one internship that I completed as part of my major requirements and two separate internships that I completed on my own accord. I didn't get any sort of credit or anything like that for them. I just completed them for my own growth and learning in the in the field. But yeah, co-op is in a league of its own. It really <laughs> is. It's And if you are a very career-oriented person and having experience right out of the gate is for you, I think it's definitely something to consider. But I also think that you can obviously get experience at any school and at small schools. Mm -hmm. 
to boot. Um, it's just looking at understanding that you might have a smaller network to work with at a smaller school, but also you could have those meaningful connections with professors or faculty or whoever it may be that could really help vouch for you. I got one of my internships from a classmate. My friend had completed the internship the year before me and said, I think you'd be really good at this. So I'm going to give them your name mm-hmm. and recommend you. So then I reached out and it worked out in the end. So you just, at the end of the day, you just got to learn how to, how to work your network yeah, you know, and get those, get those opportunities. Yeah. And I feel like since it's such a like integrated program at Northeastern, it's pretty like mm-hmm. competitive. Like I wouldn't say people are really out there like helping each other all that much, unless it's like, you've completed this co-op and now you're looking for like the next co-op it's like um you're really kind of like it's like a doggy dog world and a lot of times you're like going to the same interviews as like people you know and um it's just kind of cutthroat so if like that's something Mm -hmm. to consider as well and um again this is like pretty unique to northeastern but i know a lot of schools are expanding their co-op programs so like drexel i believe Mm -hmm. has a co-op program and like a couple other schools are experimenting with like having students take extended times off and work in the workforce so um, yeah, just something to consider. And, you know, some majors lend themselves more to those types of things than others. So yeah, um, that's kind of the spiel on like career and internships and co-ops and um, alumni type networks. Um, and I feel like in my like recent post-grad experience, I'm really learning the value of an alumni network. Um, like that LinkedIn tool that shows you like how many people at your school have been hired at any given place is mm-hmm. clutch, <laughs> truly. Oh. It's so important. Yes. So take advantage of that. If you're job searching, I feel like regardless of the size of school you go to, for the most part, people are going to be really receptive towards helping like fellow alum because most people have a lot of pride in their like alma mater and things like that. Um, And I feel like that's true for you also, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I originally noted that like, you know, alumni at small schools are really loyal, but I do think that's true of literally any school, whatever school you choose to go to, the alumni are going to see that you went to that school and want to help you out in any way that they can. Um, I've had really great experiences with Assumption alumni. So yeah, it's just kind of, I think another thing to keep in mind is just where that alumni network is. So for Assumption, a lot of the network is concentrated in the Worcester area or in Massachusetts at the very least. So keeping that in mind, if you want to work at, you know, the Empire State Building in New York, keep that in mind when it comes obviously a school like Northeastern your alumni networks are going to expand out a bit more across the country and for a small school it definitely ends up staying really concentrated so I think that's something to keep in mind Mm -hmm. yeah and then I think on a closing note we wanted to talk about like just literal like physical campus and like campus amenities and whatnot um so I know at a lot of big schools, there's like bus systems. Like I think BU has a bus system and like Penn State definitely has a bus system and things like that. Yeah. Northeastern didn't have that because we were a pretty like concentrated city campus. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say there's like many options for any given resource you're looking for. So like multiple gyms, multiple dining halls, and it's cool, but it can be overwhelming. And if that's not something that like Kylie, like she went to Penn State and she knew it just like wasn't for her. Um, and I think visiting is like really key to figuring out if that's something for you or not. Um, Northeastern was the first school that I visited and every other school just like didn't compare for me that I went to after. So I know this can be tough right now because like maybe a lot of schools aren't allowing visits and things like that, but doing whatever you can virtually talking to people that have gone there, um, talking to people that currently go there is really helpful. But 
yeah, like physical campuses can definitely feel super different at um, large and small schools. Yeah. And I'll say that Assumption was an entirely like enclosed gated campus. So it was very small. You could walk literally everywhere (laughs) that you needed to go in probably under 20 minutes, which I think is very small compared to most schools. Um, I know my dad would always make fun of me when I told him that me and my friends were driving to the dining hall because he was like, you probably could walk faster than it (laughs) takes for you to go to your car and drive. But when it's raining, you don't want to walk even a minute. Um, But yeah, so we had pretty basic amenities. We only had one dining hall and one like takeaway fast foodie kind of cafe on campus. Um, And we had one gym, um, the sports fields, all of that. I don't even think we have a track on our campus, um, even though we have a track team. But yeah, so it's small and at times it can feel very claustrophobic, I guess. Like there's no part of campus you're not going to discover basically throughout the four Mm -hmm. years. And you know, you're going to get sick of the dining hall food at some point, but it's kind of just prioritizing, like, do you want multiple dining halls as an option? Or are you going to end up living in an on-campus apartment or even an off-campus apartment for most of your years? So then that doesn't even really matter. Um, But yeah, it gets the job done, in my opinion. I never was like, I just wish I had, you know, more these or anything like that. I'm curious for you, um, throughout my time at Northeastern, especially towards the end, it just kind of felt like campus was like bursting at the seams. And I don't know if that's because it's a city school and we just like don't have a lot of space to continue expanding. Um, but like mm-hmm. at times it can be really hard to find a place to study in the library or like, and that can be really frustrating because sometimes I would leave my off-campus apartment, walk to campus to try to find a quiet place to sit down and realize that I should have just stayed at my apartment because there's nowhere to go. So I don't know if you have that problem at all at Assumption. Um. Yes. Again, I think a lot of the times when it comes to amenities, they're proportional to the student body. So, you know, you could hear that a school has three different libraries, say, but if they have 40,000 students, all three of those libraries are going to be packed Mm -hmm. during finals. You know what I mean? So the same goes with Assumption. We're a small school. We had one library that wasn't, you know, a ginormous library by any means. So in those um, really busy parts of the semester, it was hard to find a quiet place to study. I'm really lucky that I tend to work best where I'm most comfortable. So I did a lot of work in my room just because for whatever reason, that's how I am the most productive. Um, and a lot of times I would just wake up early and to have like an hour of peace and quiet before anyone else woke up to get stuff done. But that's just what works for me. So I think it's important to, you know, especially knowing yourself and your study habits and finding a school that will allow you to have um, a place to go and get work done. I think almost any school has those hidden gem places mm-hmm. that no one ever thinks to go and do homework at. Um, so finding those as early on as possible, I think, is important. And then telling no one. If anyone asks <laughs> where you were, just be like, oh, I was just out doing homework. Like, don't worry about it. Very true. That's what I would do. I literally would, would be like, where are you? And I'm like, don't, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, you can't disclose those, those golden spots. Um, and I know for me being in Boston, like working at cafes and stuff like that was always an option too. So mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of figuring that out yeah. for yourself and every campus is so different regardless of the size. I just think, like I mentioned, visiting yeah. is like so key in my opinion. But yeah, I guess on like a closing note, I feel like what we mainly wanted you guys to take away from all of this is that like there is no right fit 
for everybody. There's no right answer. Mm -hmm. There's like so genuinely a school for everyone. And like, I loved my experience at a huge school. Kylie loved her experience at a small school. And I think it's just really like asking yourself the right questions and figuring out what you prioritize. And if you're in like the college application process, I'm sure you'll have like advisors and things like that to help you figure it out. But Mm -hmm. yeah, no, you definitely just have to be like brutally honest with yourself about the things that you want the resources that you want, the class sizes you want, whatever it may be, literally going down the list of the things that we talked about and just ask yourself what would fit best for you. And going from there, I know you talked about making a pros and cons list to help decide. Yeah, so I basically just like literally typed up like the two schools that I was between, wrote all like the pros and cons that I could conceivably come up with and went to like all of my high school mentor figures and said like, what would you do here? And obviously money was a consideration as well. And like just trying to weigh everything. Um, but I would recommend doing that if you're like a visual person like me and you really need to like logically lay things out. That was really helpful for me to decide. Um, yeah. Do you have any other closing tips? Yeah, no, I think the pros and cons list is really good. I also think it sounds so cliche, but just trusting your gut. Like I know for me, the two schools that I was between, I just had a gut feeling about assumption. There was something about when I walked on campus, it just felt like home for me. And it felt like what I was looking for. And I think you honestly had a similar experience with Northeastern. Mm -hmm. I know you really loved Northeastern and could see yourself there. And I think that's like the really important question to ask is, can you see yourself fitting in? Like picture yourself in that certain club or that certain sorority or in the 100 plus lecture hall or in the 30 person classroom and see what feels right to you because I think a lot of the times that's a really telling sign and then being more logical about it especially when it comes to finances and uh internship opportunities and things like that totally well um coming to an end of a very lengthy episode um if you're still here congratulations thank you so much for listening (laughs) you made it um and we as always hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did we would love if you could leave us a rating follow us on instagram all of that yes thank you so much for listening guys talk to you next week ttyl